Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Francesco Pavone and I'm your host. And today me and you are going to talk about stress. I realized actually we didn't do many episodes where we were talking directly around stress. So I wanted to do this episode. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be very important. We are going to dive into the definition of stress. We are going to talk about what it means uh, like to be stressed and we are going to learn the differences between uh, being chronically stressed or uh, just experiencing like an acute stress. We're going to talk about six different uh, um, types of stress. We're going to talk about uh, uh, the allostatic load or uh, the total of uh, all the stressors that we have in our life. And we are going to talk about the body response to stress. Uh, we're going to know um, different uh, reasons why you might be stressed that you don't know right now. And, uh, and then I'm going to share with you like a couple of practices, as always, uh, some actionable steps uh, in order to implement uh, some of the strategies that might allow you to reduce uh, or we're going to learn how to better tolerate stress. Uh, so without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. Stress, a word you're familiar with, right? Like many people say, I'm so stressed, I, I can't even do anything. And we all know the importance of taking care of our stress, but a few people really put in place a plan to prioritize it. I think this is uh, often the case for people who are super stressed and uh, they're running on a busy schedule. Um, so in this uh, show, I just want to discuss the role of stress on our health and just to share some of the ideas that uh, were uh, working successfully for me, for my clients, and uh, that they show they actually reduce stress on uh, the body of literature. So what is stress? like? Many people say, you know, stress is like um, not having, like the financial stress. So like having to make money uh, is a stress or like uh, a issue in a relationship. Well, more generally, stress is a disruption of the homeostasis. You now should know this term. The homeostasis is the natural biochemical balance of our organism. So a stressor in, on the other side is a source of stress. Um, and it could be a sudden loud noise as you are trying to focus. Sometimes it happens to me on the tube where I'm just like reading a book and uh, I'm so into it. And for some reason, like the tube is particularly loud inside because of the people. And sometimes there is a window open and it's very loud and uh, it feels more stressful sometimes. And you're going to talk about why, but just so that you know, I'm on a diet and I've been on a diet for... Uh, um, a, a few weeks, like I, I lost count to be fair, but we definitely started around April. Um, so it's already like 16 weeks or something. And we have seven to go. So my level of stress uh, is definitely higher than uh, during most of the year. Um, so yeah, when uh, a source of stress, so we are going to call that a stressor in this episode, breaks that balance, it triggers a stress response. So stress and health are actually tightly correlated and they are not related to just uh, the physical stress we're under or the mental stress we're under. Because think about that, you have uh, good money, you have good health physically, um, but you come home and uh, you have troubles in the relationship or uh, you live in a very loud and uh, 
dirty place. Now that's going to have an impact on how stress you feel. Okay, so we have to discuss about stressor and different type of stressors. There is physical stress, like substance abuse or lack of sleep or <clears throat> even simply like going through a tough workout is a big source of stress. Um, you might uh, be surprised to see the stress level of professional athletes and realize that they're actually under a lot of physical stress. We're going to learn why that is important as well. Mental stress, like anxiety or just having anxious thoughts um, or information overload. Think about your social media and how do you use it and how many informations you are, uh, shallow informations, because it's uh, usually a video or a picture. But most people, I'm not saying this is you, I hope that uh, you are a very deep reader and that you really, apart from reading that, just like take some of the things you see on Instagram and implement them in your life. But most people don't use it like that. Most people, they just uh, go through the feed and uh, they, they don't go into the nitty gritty. So their brain actually have uh, an information overload because there is so much content in their brain because the eyes actually see that and see this captivating image or video uh, without actually processing and making anything out of it. How many times it happened to you to kind of scroll down and then you want to scroll back up to something you saw a few images before, but then it's like at least one or two posts higher than you thought that's because like there are there are so many pieces of content that you don't actually see and process uh, because of the information overload um, then we have emotional stress like depression or fear we have existential stress like feeling purposeless or hopeless we have relational social stress like being in an unsupportive relationship or being alone we have environmental stress, like we uh, we discussed earlier, like living in a, a crowded or a dirty place or just having your light, dark cycles disrupted. So, you know, you remember like when we talk about deep health, that should recall something. These six layers are exactly the six layers of deep health. Okay, so we totally like in, in this podcast, but... Most, uh, um, most importantly, in the Team Pavone, in our community, in our private community with all our clients, we discuss a lot about this and this uh, concept of health, not as just physical or mental health, but with these six layers of health as uh, a representation of the human existence, as of um, an interconnection between these, uh, all these different domains of life. And uh, as you guessed, you are made to evolve from this stress. That's why we have a certain tolerance for stress. We might be fine when we receive some extra work to do on a Friday night, but we might lose it when our partner goes on a college reunion that week and then we have to automatically work and take care of the kids. Stress is cumulative and the different sources of stress can really pile up. Hey, the total of, of all the stress we are experiencing in life, it's called allostatic load. So in particularly, in, yeah, you could be like more stressed in one area um, and like perfectly fine in all the other areas. But yeah, if your total uh, allostatic load um, 
it's uh, high like you are you have a lot on your plate in one domain like for example i'm thinking about uh, um you know in this case i'm on a diet so I'm, i i cannot help but think about professional bodybuilders who bring their body fat to the extent where they are not healthy anymore because their hormones their um sleep it's not great um, and uh, they simply cannot function well as human beings. So in that case, like uh, they might have great mental health, uh, they might, which will be challenged anyway, um, physical, emotional, existential, relational, environmental health. I'm thinking about one of those like professional bodybuilder that has everything structured for him to be successful. They might still like be and feel very stressed. So some people don't recognize that um, until like stress is removed from them and they're like, I feel actually better. So before we continue this episode, I want you to just do a little exercise for me. You can try that. See this as a quick experiment. Just take a breath. I know we're going to breathe a lot in this uh, podcast, but just take a look around and see what's, uh, what's surrounding you. What is one thing that you are grateful for? All right, maybe you are not grateful for anything. All right, I want you then to make an effort to take two things that you are grateful for that are around you. It might be that you are on the tube listening to this podcast and the tube itself could be something you're grateful for because it brings you from A to B. Or it might be your partner or your dog. Or it might be the plants that uh, are giving your house such a nice color, okay? So training, for example, is a stressor. You're going to find out why we are uh, doing this exercise, okay? Um, just practicing a little bit of gratitude is going to help you being less stressed today, okay? But we're going to learn more about it. Just so that you know, training is a, is a stressor, like we said earlier, and uh, it's a good stress, but it's still stress. And uh, if you are very busy, you have many different commitments, you have kids, and you just move to a new house, um, which are refurbishing, it might not be a great time to start like a super intense, uh, kind of like high intensity cardio workout because of this reason, because there is already a lot on your plate and the stress, even if it's good stress coming from such an intense activity in this time, another time you might just be fine, but it might just be too much. Okay, so just consider uh, like a more gradual approach and make sure that you recover from it and we... Yeah, this, this episode is not about how to start a training program when you are super stressed, but it's like how stress affects your body. So just so that you know, it's going to have an effect on your recovery. And on the other side, like someone who is less busy than you, like a college student, might be totally fine and can do even more. Now, how does our body respond to stress? Well, in a very predictable way. Like we said that our baseline is the homeostasis. We are pretty comfortable and we are stable here. Then we encounter a stressor that disrupts this balance, say an intense workout, and we enter an alarm phase. Temporarily, we get a little worse as we try to manage the extra demand. And in this case, the extra demand might be like our burning quads or our puffing lungs. During this phase, our hormones might increase, like in particular cortisol and stress hormones, and our sympathetic nervous systems amps up. This makes 
some people feel sick, while others feel so jacked up that they feel like they could lift a car. Okay, that's why the stress response is highly individual. After this phase, you might feel just a little tired, but this is because our immune system is temporarily depressed and the inflammatory hormones um, increase to deal with the potential tissue damage. Next, we enter the recover and rebuild phase. We get stronger, we become more resilient to future stressor, and uh, our capacity for exercise increases over time, as long as we are recovering well. Eventually, we go back to homeostasis, and maybe we'll feel ready for our next workout. This cycle of disruption, alarm phase, and recovery phase, it's a normal reaction to stress. When it's working properly, the stress response helps you stay focused, energetic, and alert. But if you exceed your individual ability to recover, the stress stops helping and it starts to chronically damaging your body, your performance, your mood, your productivity, your relationships, and in general, like the, the, your, your, your quality of life. Um, many people, they, they just don't know but bad habits are just a way to cope with stress. One of the most important things that we have to say about stress is that not every stress is the same and we may interpret stress like in a way that matters. So, um, you know, like ju just like so that, you know, like it it's a lot about how we perceive stress. Like we, because I, I learned this uh, as directly as a personal trainer where, you as a PT, you train different type of clients. And sometimes like you get a total beginner with similar background, but their perception of stress and their stress tolerance is totally different. So you get them to do five body weight squats and some people they're like, oh my God, my legs burn. Francesco, my legs burn. And others are like, oh yeah, this is my first time, but I do 20 squats and yeah, my legs burn, but I expected it and I feel good about it, okay? So positively perceived stress is called eustress. Like that's definitely me training and lifting, I don't know, 40 kilos dumbbells on a dumbbell press. And then there is the negatively perceived stress, which is a lot something that we can control. But it definitely when I was younger, it was uh, the financial stress uh, or even a little bit the existential stress of, uh, oh, I'm a swimmer now, but I, I know I don't want to be a swimmer forever and I don't know what I'm going to do. So that, that is a lot of stress because um, it's unknown, like the future is unknown and it creates ambiguity and a bit of anxiety and that whole situation is uh, stressful. Now, the intensity and the duration of a stressor will impact our interpretation of it um, and also it will impact our uh, ability to recover from it. CS, so like I mentioned recovery because stress and recovery are uh, tightly linked. When we respond, recover and adapt well, stress actually make you better. Like imagine you are, uh, um, you know, living in nature and you have uh, <clears throat> nothing to help you and to support you. No tools. Uh, you have to just have, do everything on your own. Like when you become a more resilient human being, like you live longer. Okay, so stress is actually a good thing because without stress, our body couldn't, couldn't adapt. I found personally like this stress adaptation that the body has, like this stress um, me mechanism, like 
amazing because like i mean you can literally get stronger by stressing your body and you can get uh, bigger and leaner and more functional but you this is why like when we talk about pain and recovering from injuries like the more pain not necessarily the better like because if you're doing like a silly exercise to recover from a bad shoulder like and and that's painful then you're gonna you know you're not gonna reap the benefits out of the exercise you're gonna aggravate your situation but if you do the right exercise it should feel slightly uncomfortable okay um so if i don't feel anything and it's actually nice I don't know if it's a good thing to to recover from an injury because like if we have to put on the plate like um, an exercise where you actively have to hold the position uh, and uh, we are talking about, you know, past uh, surgery. So when you have the okay from the doctor to exercise, uh, like there should be some discomfort. Okay. Um, I watched a video the other day that uh, said that without pain, there is no change right? And there are, there are some truth, okay? We have to definitely recognize between bad pain and good pain when we do workout, um, but there is some truth in it. Um, and that's maybe like material for another episode. Our immune system also gets impacted by stress and it affects our ability to recover from it. Too much or too little is not good and it actually weakens our immune system. Think about the kids that never go out or the kids that, I don't know, live... I mean, I was a little bit of a um, tough kid because I would go to the swimming pool and my, uh, my, my grandma would tell me, hey, make sure that you put uh, your uh, beanie and because when you leave the pool, like your hair are dry, like they're wet. So you're going to get sick. And I was like always going out uh, with uh, wet hair. And I would uh, like eventually get sick a lot. But then like for some reason as an adult, I didn't. So I don't know if, it's, if it was like the time frame where I actually strengthened my immune system by building a better tolerance to stress. Because you're not going to get like, uh, you're not going to get sick forever um, from, from the same conditions. Um, at some point, you're going to adapt um, unless you have like a dysfunction in the immune system, which is like material for another uh, podcast altogether. But what we can do is uh, because the stress tolerance is partly determined by our genetics, but sometimes we can do something about it. And uh, I say that most of the time uh, we cannot do anything to change uh, our environment, right? Like think about uh, your financial stress. Maybe you have a mortgage, maybe you have kids, maybe you have responsibilities. Like maybe the only thing you can do, it's like just accept that that's what you're gonna do. Um, start working on a side hustle, which might bring money like later on. Uh, in your career, but just accept the reality now because you don't want to do it. You don't want to live the next 10 years unhappy until you make money to eventually find out that you don't need money to be happy. Okay. Like you can still work on that, uh, but at the same time, you can work on accepting the reality and better tolerate your stress because it feels stressful, particularly like it feels to you. Okay. Some people will feel the same kind of stress, but not the in the same way okay so um you know it's partly determined by our genetics but what we can do is increasing our stress tolerance and uh, our recovery capacity okay because we learned that is partly determined by our genetics um and, and one of the reasons why online coaching is so effective it's because it offers a supportive relationship that help you 
build a better tolerance to stress and help you recover better because like these kind of uh, lessons are learned on a weekly basis uh, where we have uh, all our co- me and andre like we all have a personal relationship uh, with our clients uh, where uh, we stay in contact every week and uh, the other day i thought about this because one of my Uh, friends, well, actually my best friend, uh, Nicolò, was uh, an easy in the team. Uh, he gets a program every month, uh, but he doesn't get weekly check-ins. Uh, if you're a coach, raise your hand if you struggle to coach a friend or a family member. Uh, most of the time, this, is, this doesn't end up in a successful relationship just because there is very little commitment, especially from the client side, right? Because usually like they're not paying clients. So... Um, Yeah, he was uh, asking me, like, am I the best in your team? Am I one of the top three? And I was like, you know what? Uh, I would love to say yes uh, because of how you train and the muscle you've built and how much stronger you got. But I would like you, I would would love to see on a weekly basis the kind of challenges that you have and how you overcome them. Because that's what makes you a successful client of the Team Pavone, where you open up about your challenges or about your weekly challenges and you open up with me and or your coach for ways to resolve them and to move on like what you want to do about it and uh, doing it okay which requires some support so like my friend didn't really share any of these lessons he definitely had some challenges but he's not uh, coming for me to ask for help he's just getting a program and that's not what the clients are paying me for so no my best friend is not one of my uh, top three clients at least and uh, you probably when you listen to this episode uh, uh, yeah the the time has gone because like we are usually like a couple of weeks if not three weeks ahead uh, i am uh, Uh, for the, for this um, show, so like uh, I record them and then I share them uh, three weeks later. Um, so that helps me if I have to travel, uh, like I don't have the urgency. And you guys always have the um, the podcast every week uh, in uh, on your phone. So this is why I think online coaching is more effective, and it offers uh, a a bridge between personal training and uh, like consistently seeing a psychologist as well like a a, a professional in that area like personal training doesn't you don't have time to talk about all these things um with the psychologist like you don't get uh, all the other benefits uh, of uh, physical exercise uh, and a good nutrition uh, plus is expensive and plus you have to go to the office uh, like online coaching with a solid system and the system right for your specific goals you can overcome the challenge of running on a, a busy schedule then and, and and high stress um let's, let's you know let's find out how well the first thing to mention is that uh, uh, there are there might be causes that you don't know um that are actually making you stressed um you know sometimes like you might catch yourself saying things like your entire life sucks or you're never gonna be happy and these things have a name they are called cognitive distortions because if we agree like me and you and we are honest about your life we can agree that your life sucks in some ways but not your entire life 
okay your entire life especially if we look at it after it's finished like when you're i don't know 100 i hope 100 years old uh you wouldn't say that your entire life sucked like that i'm sure that you'll find good moments okay so this is this this like these thoughts it's not true okay it's okay to have it we all have it i do have it sometime but <laughs> um, especially now that i'm hungry or angry um but these thoughts uh, most often aren't true doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you as i was saying earlier it's just that we all have some cognitive distortions and they just reflect how the human brain works our brain has a tendency to overfocus on perceived threats and negativity so like we make judgments only with partial information so, and we tend to overgeneralize and make problem uh, pervasive rather than specific uh, like your entire life sucks well in wh which areas of uh, now you learn six different domains of life which areas suffer the most i also like uh, make it even more simple like there are the relationships uh, and all your friends uh, uh, there is the area of your health uh, like as a body and mind like as a biology uh, your health markers like how healthy are you how how good do you feel right now and then there is like the career and what we do and like where we live and like all those things are tightly together because uh, well now we have a lot of remote workers but most people like they live where they work and um, they yeah like this this has an impact right whether you're studying or working like that is your uh, career job money living situation and like you can just like, already start dividing your entire life in sucks in this like which particular domain sucks okay um now while this is normal to have cognitive distortions they create a tons of stress if you often feel annoyed anxious or pessimistic you're probably like in these kind of thoughts this is actually a good news because uh, your thoughts just need uh, some adjusting we don't need to try to influ influence all our thoughts because uh, like that is also like an extremely good goal um you know like being able to be in charge of your thoughts even the unknown one and the unconscious one or even uh, when you catch yourself thinking about something you're not proud of and uh, you know being able to control that so that we have mostly positive thoughts it's a goal and to get there we are gonna have to implement some practices we are definitely gonna get uh, through some of the practices later but other ways of uh, cognitive uh, other cognitive distortions and if you're interested in it uh, like cognitive distortions have been talked a lot by david burns which is a psychiatrist and a pioneer in the cognitive behavioral therapy um, and uh, if you want to read more about David Burns, uh, uh, try reading his best-selling books, Feeling Good and Feeling Great, uh, to find out more about his work. But um, All or Nothing Thinking, you heard me talking a lot uh, about it, uh, but like when you say things like, oh, I missed the deadline, I'm going to get fired. Well, that's, that's All or Nothing Thinking. Like That's not really going to happen, right? You're probably going to have a, a difficult conversation with your boss. Um, or like, uh, I skip a workout this week, like I'm gonna uh, lose all my gains. Like that's not gonna happen. Like you can see, skip even a month uh, of uh, workouts, uh, but if you've been consistent with them for the whole year, like it's not gonna impact uh, your gains. Um, the second is overgeneralization. So again, like making problem 
too general. And this is something that I always challenge my client with because especially when you change some nutritional behaviors, some eating behaviors, it's kind of easier to, you know, have problems like this and see like, oh, I'm never going to be good. Like uh, this kind of overgeneralization don't help you. And they are a cognitive distortion. I want to share them with you because I want you to be able to recognize them and eventually like not avoid them. Like when you see them, like be grateful that you can notice them and then ask yourself, what do you want to do about it? And try to develop a plan B, like another way of thinking. Uh, But you can uh, look as well at uh, negative mental filters. Like, again, we have a negativity bias. Okay, so we tend to see things skeptically, um, but with a negative uh, filter. Like, for example, my workouts have been consistent and I'm recovering pretty well. uh, Only that I still can't seem to do a single chin up. Right. Uh, So that thought uh, will make you look at chin ups like a problem uh, and you're going to try to fix a problem, uh, sometimes with with success, uh, sometimes with less success. uh, And that's not going to help you enjoy the process of doing your first chin-up whereas uh, maybe you can see hey you can't seem to do a single chin-up but you can do five push-up all right let's uh, bring up as well your vertical pulling strength now you're removing weight from your shoulders but you're adding uh, like actions that is a massive difference so number four discounting the positives This is particularly painful because even when things in life are going well, you don't really let yourself enjoy it. Like, for example, sure, I managed to practice my new walking habit pretty consistently, but even my dog can do that. Like, you're discounting the positive in this regard. Or uh, my coach is only telling me I did a good job this week because she's trying to be nice or he's trying to be nice. Like, again, like, Maybe not. Maybe you have done a good job. Like pat yourself on the shoulder when you, um, yeah, when you earned it. So number five, jump into conclusion. Like this is like, especially between relationships, like never assume, never assume. Be surprised by your relationship. Uh, That's also another way of uh, looking at it. Or like uh, the people that say, I'm never gonna get better. Like, how do you know? Like, do you, can you read the future? Like, allow yourself to don't know certain things and to be surprised. Just like we, our world is the reflection of our own beliefs and our own worldviews and our own fears. And what's most of those things are just ideas. They are not real world. Okay. Sometimes when we ask other people, they are like, no, I think you're a great person. And, you know, we convince ourselves that he might be lying. Like, hey, let the world surprise you. Uh, number six, magnification or minimization. Like when you say things like all the other people in this class seems to be following the choreography, but I keep making mistakes. Like you make you make it seems like your problem is only particular to you and the other people are like, you assume that they, they have it, they nailed it, where they are, like they are struggling like you. Um, number seven is emotional reasoning. Like when we say things like we jump to conclusion based on how something feels like swinging kettlebells look super scary and intimidating maybe to you maybe not um so some people might think that it has to be dangerous like or things like uh, i don't know i wake up and i struggle to wake up in the morning i must be a loser like just because waking up early in the morning feels difficult that that doesn't mean that you're a loser 
okay and this mentality hey i feel you if you have caught yourself like thinking like that because you know they come from uh, the past they come from far uh, in the past where we were little and when we start to living life uh, with a certain perspective um you know we tend to have uh, especially i'm 1991 i was born in 1991 and uh, i have to say like uh, I was gifted uh, with a beautiful family and like a beautiful, uh, like, I don't know, I had food on the table and a rooftop on my, over my head, but like, that's already enough. And my parents always supported the, the fact that I was doing sport. Um, but again, like I have to say, like uh, their teaching was a lot about a fixed mindset. It was a lot about doing what you like, which is a part uh, of the growth mindset. Like, hey, Francesco. No, you don't have to swim if you want to do something else. And so I did. I did a little bit of volleyball as well, a little bit of field hockey. But then, like, I wanted to pursue swimming. So I came back to swimming, and it was my decision of the 13 years old. And that that teaches you something, right? And again, like, there were some traits of the fixed mindset. Nothing bad against it, because we all have a bit of fixed mindset beliefs and a bit of growth mindset beliefs. Our... Um, what we need to do is not like just having growth mindset uh, ideas and thoughts uh, and actions, but just like recognize when we catch ourselves being a little bit fixed. Like when we say, oh, I feel anxious before a competition. I must be like, I don't know, I must have like a low personality. I must be an introvert or something like that. Well, maybe like there is just like a correlation between the two, but not a causation. Okay. Um, yeah. Like another thing is uh, um, when uh, you torture yourself, like you um, you keep going with the shoulds uh, and uh, the outs, the must, like people who care about nutrition shouldn't eat cookies. And then you feel bad because you like cookies and you're there eating the cookies and you're like, yes, but I shouldn't eat that. Like, man, if you want it, there is a reason. Okay. So there is nothing bad in liking a cookie, okay? You can also like a cookie and not eat the cookie for this month, for example, um, or eat just once a week cookies, okay? But I don't know who made these rules. Like people who are on a diet shouldn't eat carbohydrates. Who said that? I don't know. Um, labeling is another uh, cognitive dist distortions. Like, did you see that guy run red light? What a jerk. Or uh, like... Um, I can't believe I cried in front of my trainer. I'm such a basket case. Like, this is where, uh, you know, when you make mistakes and you attribute, uh, you attribute it to a problem with your character instead of an isolated thought or behavior. I mean, I'm hugely on this one. Like, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, like... Or, for example, like, again, think about when you eat and uh, you ate too much and you say you're just, like, a failure. And again, like, you just ate too much. Now, you feel like a failure because uh, you would have loved to behave differently or maybe, like, not. So it's good to have that internal chat. Um, yeah, personalization. Like, when you imagine uh, you are directly responsible for other feelings and responses and you take everything as a personal commentary of your values as a human. Like, okay, you say things like, this diet is driving you nuts. Um, it must be because you don't have uh, enough willpower. Again, 
this diet is difficult. It might be very difficult. You might be pushing the boundaries uh, or uh, you might just starting and you are getting used to it. So it feels difficult, uh, right? So there is a little bit of generalization in driving you nuts. Okay, like what do you mean by that? Is it making you feeling tired, hungry, difficulty to sleep, difficulty to get a good, work, good workout that has nothing to do with your willpower? Okay. And then there is blame. Like when you say things like you didn't stick to that exercise program, but only because uh, you had a lousy coach. Okay. So like you tend to blame, uh, like, I don't know, the system. My father is like that in funny ways. Like uh, funny, not funny. It's uh, like when he blamed the system for not having enough money, but he never actually had a look at improving his skills. Okay, so that is uh, about uh, cognitive distortions. We are going to dive now in a, in, in, the, in a couple of practices that will help you have better uh, recovery, better uh, stress management. Uh, um, but just so that you know, as I said at the beginning of this episode, one of the personal advice that I'd like to share with you is that to better handle stress, have a look that in each situation, you just postpone your reaction, okay? So allow yourself a little gap between the trigger and the response, okay? So you are not reactive, but you are intentional in your response. Now, after you listen to this show, you will have a better understanding of stress, so you'll be better able to handle each situation in life. Um, at the same time, just accept the fact that it's not going to be either you fix something or you don't, okay? Um, there are also like uh, stuff in between, like you can also like remove some things in your life. Okay. Especially if you are young, you might be able to decide where to live. Like if you feel stressed right now, I have to say, this is me. I didn't want to live in Genoa. I found it. <laughs> if you're from Genoa, don't feel offended. Like I, I literally don't care. Like I, I say this because I think like that, like, I don't think it's a great place where to live. Um, I definitely like Savona, which is where I'm from, but Genoa, way too crowded. Like Rome, I would never live in Rome. It's way too dirty and busy and now and, and, and loud for me. So um, you're going to have to, you know, work and you're going to have to work on your stress tolerance, on your environment and your recovery capacity. Okay. As you, as you can notice, like we don't talk about managing your stressor because you are particular, like you're going to have particular sources of stress. Uh, one of the things that uh, will allow you to better recover it's sleep. Um, and, uh, because this is because like sleep, uh, when we get good enough, uh, good quality sleep, we lose fat, we recover and repair more successfully. We are able to regulate our blood sugar and blood lipids, our hormones, our appetite, our hunger, our satiety. Um, and um, yeah, like that has, uh, um, you know, these are mechanisms that help you to recover better. So there are definitely things that are within your capacity, within your uh, sphere of control. Um, that are in regards to sleep, uh, in regards to um, your nutrition, okay? So literally, good nutrition is part of uh, having a purposeful recovery strategy, okay? So let's uh, have a look. What? Uh, let's take a sip of water first. Mm. 
much, much, much better. Ah, so yeah, the practice number one, it's improving your sleep behaviors and the, the sleep environment, like we talk about sleep in this show, um, but uh, sleep doesn't only regulate our recovery, but also our metabolism. Like, uh, I, especially as I go through this diet, I notice how important it is to stick to my bedtime. Many people have physiological factors that disturb their sleep, such as when you are in a very low calorie diet, when you have poor immune function and inflammation, when you have insomnia, when you are in perimenopause, andropause or menopause, when you have just like sleep apnea, okay, because of your body weight or because of a body fat increase um, or because you are taking medication. Good, getting good sleep, it's not like the, like, it's not the main focus because getting good sleep, it's an outcome, okay? It's kind of a goal. You can't control the goal, but you can control your behaviors. So what you can do is uh, creating a sleep ritual, like doing something in like a habit stack. Um, I like this. It's uh, It could be like, okay, you spread some magnesium salt on your skin. Then you do like five minutes of moves, like just on a mat, just like relaxing moves, like yoga stretches or uh, any sort of mobility exercise. And then uh, you wash the magnesium salt. You take a nice warm shower of five minutes. And then you read for another five minutes in bed, right? Like most of us can't go from zero to 100 kilometers an hour in no time in the morning. So why would you in the evening? The number two, like another thing you can do is just improve your sleep environment a bit, like adjust the temperature, uh, use uh, curtains uh, and block sounds. Like you can, if, if you live in a loud place, uh, you can use white noise uh, um, devices. Uh, like a fan as well works works fine. Or like just remove electronics from your bedroom. Um, set sleep targets, plan bedtime, and just keep a sleep rec or recovery journal. Like these are part of the strategies that uh, have been most uh, successful for my clients. Um, and for me, to be fair, like one of the things that uh, really helped me was just sticking to a bedtime. Like, hey, give yourself a range and go to bed in that range. That helps because we can't control, especially the busier you are, um, the more likely you can't control at what time you wake up. But most often there is like that 40 minutes in the evening where you can actually either go to bed or stay up a bit more. Okay. And now that you know how much impact it would have, especially the early sleep seems to be very beneficial. The one before, and there is a saying that every hour of sleep counts double if it's before midnight. Okay. So that, that there is something. <clears throat> if we all managed to go to bed a little bit earlier, we'd be much healthier.